Welcome to the Four Feathers Podcast, brought to you by ONTAPSportsNet.com and presented by Manscaped. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to Manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawnmower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin-safe technology so you don't nick your balls or any other sensitive areas. Want to keep the boys fresh all day? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and deodorant so you're fresh from a.m. to p.m. Go to Manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping and all your manscaping needs. That's manscaped.com. Use promo code ONTAP, all one word, and that'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Hello Blackhawks fans and welcome into the Four Feathers postgame show, the very first one of the 2021 season. I am Johnny Ani. I have got Tony Marchese and Ron loose with me tonight. Unfortunately, we are breaking down a Blackhawks 5-1 loss at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning. But unfortunately, this is kind of what we expected. Um, this kind of performance on the ice this year and a little bit more of a developmental year. Um, still disappointing nonetheless uh, when your favorite team falls um, in their contest. So gentlemen, first of all, uh, how are we doing tonight? Johnny, it's uh, good to have hockey back. I don't think that uh, we really uh, expected much out of this game. It was good to watch some hockey for a little while. And then uh, the floodgates opened up. I'm, I'm doing okay. The beers are helping. Uh, how are you guys doing? Yeah, likewise, Tony. Uh, the beers are definitely helping because they literally exactly what you said. I think we all expected this, but once it actually hits you, it happens, and you're just like, oh, wow, this is this is fun. And then you turn to the good ones, and then you, you crack them, and we get this thing going. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, that's the way it goes this year. Um, like I mentioned, 5-1 loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning on opening night. Uh, they were without, you know, multiple uh, big point producers, but that still did not matter. They still had a couple of those uh, guys on the ice, but uh, either way, Blackhawks completely overmatched in this one. Uh, it showed. It was very evident. And uh, we also had, you know, a lot of young guys uh, getting their feet wet tonight for the very first time in uh, Pia Suter, uh, Ian Mitchell, most notably. And uh, we'll dive into all of that. But um, before we get started, uh, make sure you go to ONTAP Sportsnet. Dot com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's get into this one, uh, breaking it down from the beginning. How were we feeling uh, as this first period progressed? I mean, for me, it was uh, just I wanted the Hawks to get the first goal. I thought if they needed or had any shot in this game whatsoever, Johnny, uh, it was going to be uh, getting the first goal and jumping it on uh, Tampa Bay early. Uh, we talked a little bit last night about uh, this potentially being somewhat of a trap game for Tampa Bay. I think those thoughts in my mind were pretty quickly erased after the first goal. Um, they, they just they weren't able to find the back of the net. They were getting outshot, and uh, you saw a little bit of pressure from the Hawks early on, but nothing was 
sustainable whatsoever. Um, and you just felt like the wheels were going to fall off at some point. That that was my train of thought. What? How about you, Ron? Yeah, likewise. I I think you know going into that first intermission just felt kind of defeated you know like you said tony i'm really hoping that they would come out firing a little more on all cylinders didn't expect it to be pretty necessarily but at least expected some effort and that effort wasn't even there unfortunately and they just they looked overmatched immediately um and you saw it you know end end of the first period and the score was what it was and you did i just i know at least me personally i kind of sat back in my chair and just was like ah here we go here we go. And uh, just, you know, geared up for that second period then. But there were some good takeaways. I mean, I, I, it was nice seeing Mitchell play. I feel like he did some nice things. I think Zadarov made a couple of nice plays in that first period. Um, but really outside of that, there, there wasn't much to uh, discuss on the uh, Blackhawks end of things. Yeah, guys, uh, it was kind of interesting. Like, you know, the Blackhawks are holding the lightning to shots, um, you know, a low, very low shot total um, in the first, you know, uh, early stages of this thing. Um, talking like pre 10 minute mark of this first period. Um, and then the lightning finally found their footing um, and you saw them just pile on a um, couple of them were, you know, that, that second goal that happened um, was atrocious. The Ian Mitchell and Calvin DeHaan both getting sucked to one corner. DeHaan eventually comes back in front of the net, uh, but Subban puts it in his own net. Um, that, that, that's just kind of the embarrassing stuff that you hate to see because it gets uh, cheered around uh, the interwebs and uh, then your team becomes the mockery of it. But um, one of the points I have in our observation, here is this is what Stan Bowman signed up for this offseason. So um, as we start these post-game shows and get into breaking them down, it can be really depressing if we get into the details of all this every night in, night out. Um, but th- this is, you know, sign of things to come. Uh, th- that's what I have here in my first bullet point. So um, th- that's just the way that things went. And then I need to give credit because you know me. Guys, I love redirect goals, and of course I love mostly when they come from the Hawks. But Anthony Sorelli, that hand-eye coordination was absolutely stupid on the third goal um, in that first period. Just uh, unbelievable. That was just a clean face-off win for Tampa Bay. Sure, you'd like to win the face-off there, but, you know, it happens in hockey. You're going to lose face-off sometimes. Um, pass comes back to the point. Shot goes in. Going way wide of the net, Anthony Sorelli tips it in. So um, say what you want about the first two goals, but that third one, man, uh, I don't know who. I, even if Corey Crawford's in that, you can't do fucking shit about that. Good luck. Um, that, that's just how I felt about that one. So uh, moving on to the second period, um, obviously most of the damage was done in the first, but uh, kind of an unfortunate turn of events. If you were going to get back into this thing at any point, uh, it would have been when Pius Suter had his chance on the doorstep. And then he was denied by Andre Vasilevsky when it came, the puck came down to the other end of the ice. Duncan Keith sends it over the glass. Delay of game penalty. Um, if you're talking about turning points in this game, I feel like that's going to be a theme on these Four Feathers post-game shows, boys. Um, turning point, that definitely was one because guess what? Steven Stamkos, finally healthy, one of the best in the game at it on the power play, rips one home in the second period. So um, observations from the middle frame. I mean, for me, it was, you know, how long are people actually going to keep this game on uh, as as things uh, were already somewhat out of hand at the end of the first there. And you, you add another tally for Tampa Bay, um, you know, but the Hawks, uh, they they held him there. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. There was a few 
a few different lightning rushes that I thought could have resulted in in a few other scoring chances. And I guess uh, I got to give some credit to Malcolm Subban for not getting himself pulled and, and letting the floodgates continue to just pour water on the Blackhawks. Um, you know, I thought he was going to get pulled in this game. That was that was one thing that I was looking to see was if Delia was going to come out for the third. But uh, Subban only holds him to one uh, in that second frame. And um, he he hung on. So that that I guess is a positive. I don't know if there's any real silver linings here. Yeah, I have no silver linings, uh, unfortunately. I think a big theme, too, that we've noticed in this game, this might be more of a overall collective game observation. But, I mean, three of four on the power play for the Lightning really was a huge difference in this game. I mean, you know, the team split on face-offs. The hits were very, you know, even, even the power play. I mean, the Hawks had three power plays. The difference was is the Lightning looked like absolute dynamite on their power play, and the Hawks didn't. And really that was, you know, mostly the difference on this one tonight. Otherwise, it's, you know, a 2-1 game versus, uh, unfortunately, the final score. So, um, but that being said, I mean, the second period, I don't know if anybody saw my tweet, but it just, I had no observations. I just felt like in the second period they looked so flat. And then just not great, and it was just like, eh, this is this isn't ideal. Like, I mean, I'm I'm looking at numbers right now, and like, I'm sorry, but the fact that Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinket, and Dylan Strome all played over or almost seven minutes of shorthanded time tonight should kind of give you an idea of how this game went, and it kind of went south, really more so in that second period. I feel like at least there was some silver linings in that first period. Second period, not so much. Yeah, I really like one of Tony's tweets tonight, and it was, you know, trying to muster up the words to describe this Blackhawks game, uh, and I can't, so I just put this image out there, and it was a uh, visual of Malcolm Subban sitting on the bench last year, looking completely dazed and confused. Uh, Tony, thank you for uh, putting all of our emotions into uh, a, a reaction image there, because I feel like that's going to be a very widespread used meme uh, throughout this season. Yeah, I, th- that picture for some reason has resonated with me. And that feeling uh, that, that you get when you look at that picture of Malcolm Subban on the bench, just I feel like that's that's where we're all at right now with this team. Uh, it, it's just so, I don't know, I, I just, I have blank, a blank mind right now because I, I just, I don't know, Johnny, I don't know, Ron, uh, th- this was sad to watch. This was, this was very very sad and sobering as a Blackhawks fan to watch this take place on the ice. Um, I, I think I said before to you guys that this was the uh, probably the least excited that I've been for a Blackhawks season in, in a long time, um, at least that I can remember. Um, and they, they came out and they did exactly what I had expected them to do tonight. And that, that in and of itself is, is pretty sobering. And, you know, there's not many nights where, I would rather watch uh, like the Avalanche or, or somebody else play, and I'm more invested uh, watching this game right now uh, that's behind the screen than I was during the Hawks game because at least there's some action uh, out of the boys out there. It's just it's it sucks. It sucks to be in this position. It sucks to watch this on the ice. It sucks, like Ron said, to see Patrick Kane with seven minutes and 35 seconds of shorthanded time. Um, you know they they relied on that first line a lot. Uh, I'm just looking up and down here uh, at, at our time on ice, 
And if, if you just scroll down the box score over to Tampa Bay and you look at their forward group, uh, not a single forward over 20 minutes of ice time. Uh, I remember when the Hawks were able to roll four lines like that and put up uh, five goals in a game. Uh, th- this is this is a, a bad product that's on the ice. We talked a little bit about it last night where, yes, there's going to be some development, but I also didn't really see a lot of steps. Now, this is very early. Uh, this team, this is the first game, a lot of new guys in the lineup, uh, but uh, let's hope that uh, at least one thing that I can uh, take away from this is uh, I'd like to see it get better than this. And obviously they'll have some weaker opponents than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but if there's a time to come out there and really show uh, what this team is right now in its current state, I think we got it. Uh, now the focus needs to be on improvement and we need a better showing on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that is most frustrating here, um, nothing flowed. And I think that's, you know, that can be attributed to early season and, you know, the the shortened training camp and all of that. Uh, the, the guys that are absent, the, the, those can be recurring excuses, themes, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, when you just have a game that just feels so lopsided um, because Tampa Bay knows what they're doing once they enter the zone, they know what they're doing and they know where to go with each line and how they're going to produce a point there for the Blackhawks. It was a fucking miracle to even enter the zone. So that's just where we're at um, in terms of, you know, talent level and then also structure um, at this point in the season. Like I said, this is night one. Um, We will not completely overreact and, you know, um, tell, you know, Rocky to sell the team right now. We're, we're, We're not in that level of things, but just, you know, when you watch it and you get a feel for the game beyond just the numbers, that's what it felt like. So well, um, I just wanted to air that out, Tony. Yeah, they they looked like when I get too drunk and it's like 3 a.m. and I'm still trying to play NHL. That's what it looked like out yeah, there tonight. That, that's, yeah. It looked like they were playing video game hockey against somebody who's way better than them. It's, uh, it, it, there, yeah. was no, there was no cohesion. There was no strategy, no crisp passing, couldn't enter the zone. It, it's it, it, Made me want to throw my controller through the fucking TV. Screen. I was gonna say it's like it's like when you give your little brother the controller because he's been nagging at you for so long um, as you're playing, and you give him one before and it's fake. You don't actually have him on, and he says, "No, I want to actually play." And then you, all right, you, you're stepping in, and then he comes in and gets absolutely smoked. Um, th- that's, that's a perfect, that's metaf- that's a perfect yeah. metaphor for Jeremy Carlton coaching the Blackhawks right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tony, yeah. Tony, Tony, are you calling for Carlton's head yet, or is it too early? Way too early. Um, I, I saw some people out there on Twitter calling for his head. Uh, again, like I said last night. Um, Just as we who, predicted on our season preview episode. Yeah, but who, who, el- who else do you want fucking coaching this team right now? I mean, honestly, guys, let's think about it. Who do, who do you want to fucking coach this team? You're not going to get a, a top-of-the-line coach to come in here with the roster that's assembled. Um, you, you might as well have Calton because he's not yeah. going to win you. He's not going to win you any more games. And, and what is the? Let, let's st- take a step back here. What is the actual point of this season outside of development? How are we going to get better? They need to draft talent. They need to be a top four draft pick this year again in order to get somebody who's going to make an impact on this roster. So who else do you want fucking coaching this thing? You want to squeak out maybe 20 wins um, and, and be middle of the pack, 20, 25 wins, be middle of the pack. That's not that, that, that's not going to solve anything here. We're in a really rough fucking spot, guys. We're in a really rough spot. Yeah, I, you had a hot take here. I wouldn't want anyone but Jeremy Collin coaching this team. That's, 
Seriously. I mean, just talking about where you are organizationally. Um, I think it's okay um, right now for at least Jeremy Collin to be standing I want Ricky Renteria on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the greatest, what, rebuild manager in baseball in the last, what, four, five years? Yeah, Worked for two other Chicago teams. Give me fucking Rick Renteria (laughs) on the bench right now. That's who I'm calling up. I fucking love it. All right, um, boys, let's uh, just move on to a couple of highlights because I guess the Blackhawks' only highlights of this night came in the third period. Um, and, and as much as we were probably going to crap on Malkin Subban throughout the season, um, and I am fully in the camp that he's not, you know, a full-time NHL goaltender, back up on a bad team at the very best, uh, starter in the AHL, probably at where he should be. But he did make an unbelievable sprawling save with his stick um, in the third period. And unfortunately the lightning scored not too long after that. So it feels like it was negated, but Holy shit, that thing's going to be on highlight reels for a while. Any, any thoughts on that? It was a nice play. I, I, I said the exact same thing. I was like, Holy shit. I was like, all right. I was like, he might've given up some goals that we weren't happy about tonight, but what a save. I mean, you at least keep another you know, goal off the board. I mean, for fairness, uh, the over betters, I apologize. And Malcolm Subban ruined your night because um, the over under was set at six and a half. So under betters rejoice over betters cuss Malcolm Subban out until you go to sleep tonight. But nonetheless, I mean, absolutely outstanding play. I, I fully expect that to be on the highlight reel for at least a couple of weeks. Um, he did a great job, got the stick out there, you know, it hit just above the paddle. Um, and it deflected out before it could go in the net. Rob's Kalorn, I believe it was, uh, of a goal. So great job by Subban on that play. But unfortunately, you know, the, the, the rest of the night, like we've kind of said, um, you know, numbers not in Subban's favor. 28 saves on 33 shots, which is good for an 848 save percentage. And that's just not going to get the job done, even to be competitive in a game, let alone fucking pretending to think you're going to win a game. So um, it is what it is. 30 gets his first start. Um, while we talk about the goaltenders, I'm intrigued to see who uh, who gets the start on Friday against the same Tampa Bay Lightning team. So it is what all it is. I'll say, all I'll say is it better be fucking Colin Dalia. So that, that's where I'm at there. Agreed. Um, other than that, other than that third, third period, um, there's another you know goal for Tampa Bay. Braden Point, Adam Boquist getting absolutely burned. I put this out from Four Feathers, but are we sure NHL draft – uh, scouts didn't just accidentally mark down Boquist as a D man instead of a wing. Um, Cause that's what it looks like uh, a lot of the times when he's out there. I've, I've actually thought about him stepping into a winger role uh, more often than I've thought about him being a actual competent defender in the NHL. I mean, his, yeah. he's got the hands, he's got the offensive creativity to let it fly. And it almost seems like he is, burdened to play defense guys that that's what it, it really looks does like that's what me it looks that's... like he's burdened to play defense it's it's that kid in gym class hockey in third grade where you know they don't let you over the center court line of the of like the basketball court because you're a defender and he's really pissed off and he wants to go into the offensive zone and then when he's in the defensive zone just looks burdened to be there um i, I don't even know what solves that uh, but uh, maybe it's like strong words from Duncan Keith or something, because, um, you know, maybe it's the, maybe it's your little brother, Jeremy Carlton, just, you know, not wanting to play defense uh, when he's got the control. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. 
yeah, what well, was my hot take right now that uh, Jeremy Calden, even at his current age, uh, it's his birthday today, too. Happy uh, 36th birthday, coach. But uh, at his current age, I think Jeremy Calden would be a more competent defender than Adam Boquist. Um, put him out there. In Do you think he's having birthday that. night drinks with Jeremy Calden or uh, with uh, Malcolm Subban right now at the hotel bar? Jamie yeah, Cal- I mean, prob- probably probably not because you know when the COVID uh, kind of <laughs> shit that the, the what the uh, Miami Marlins um they they got uh you know kind of <laughs> bonked for that doing that same thing, um so I would imagine not, but hell um it just looked bad from Boquist, so that, that is one very negative takeaway that I have um from tonight. The the only time we got on the board here was uh just you know kind of running this thing through uh, in the third period. Uh, Strom is power play goal technically um but it, it was from behind the net um kind of a weird failed centering attempt but it hit off a defender's uh, stick skate whatever it was out there um slipped past Vasilevsky so at least that saves a shutout um saves some embarrassment in the box score but I, I think we can all agree that the Blackhawks didn't legitimately score a goal tonight no no they didn't uh you're Absolutely gonna get not. you're gonna get some lucky ones like that but uh it wasn't anything offensively impressive to me, really. I, I think there were a few chances. Uh, Suter's chance was probably the most promising. I, I thought he had the best chance to bury that out of out of any of the chances. Just clean breakaway. Uh, but I mean, you, you'll have some lucky bounces, but uh, puck luck doesn't help you when you're down five nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, all right. I, I want to move into some observations. Obviously, that was the kind of a rundown of how things went down in this five to one loss on opening night. But um, observations, um, I'll let you guys chime in as well. But this is a sign of things to come. I said at the beginning um, what we signed up for in the offseason. Uh, baptism by fire for Ian Mitchell. I know all eyes are going to be on him. And I'm not by any means, you know, kind of shitting on him or anything. But this was a welcome to the NHL game. You get sucked out of position seven, eight times. I can count um, just off the top of my head tonight. Um, Calvin DeHaan, uh, get in his ear, man. Uh, tell him and go and I want them to go and sit down and look at those films of those shifts and say, hey, man, at Denver, this worked. In the NHL, you're playing the defending Stanley Cup champs. You're going to get fucking burned. That's what I want to see. Uh, any thoughts on Mitchell? I mean, he had moments tonight where, you know, he looked confident and, you know, he jumped into the rush a couple times. But exactly what you said, Johnny, just, you know, getting sucked out of position is not ideal by any means at this point. You know, obviously it is game one. There was no preseason. So for him, it literally was probably the most baptism by fire that we've probably ever seen for a defenseman of recent memory um so hopefully you know at some point those start to like we said in the preview show right hopefully at some point those mistakes start to become the next shift you fix that when it happens again type things and i think that'll come in time unfortunately i think it's going to probably take about 10 games until we start to see something like that um, but at the same time you know in a season that you know you're not going anywhere you might as well give a prospect that this front office is incredibly high on, you know, because they thought he could have been a pro last season. Um, you know, you give him a chance to develop and just do his damn thing. And, you know, if he's going to make mistakes, let him make it. But yeah, baptism by fire is a hundred percent. Maybe arguably the title of the episode, Johnny, but definitely baptism by fire. Nonetheless, I think it's going to, it can be multi-layered there. Uh, Ian Mitchell, that was the first thing I 
you know, first uh, thought that came to mind uh, when watching him tonight. And then uh, for the Blackhawks, too, for this rebuild phase, it was a baptism by fire. Um, maybe, you know, more casual fans that are watching didn't expect this level of low play. But this is, like I said, it's what they signed up for. Um, so, the, Tony, thoughts on uh, Mitchell or the baptism by fire in general? I'll take a little uh, a spin off the casual fan thing you just said there. Um, for the casual fans, uh, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit la- uh, last night uh, when we were doing the season preview show. But, uh, you know, we wanted to we all listed off things we wanted to see uh, from uh, Mitchell. And one thing that you said, Johnny, is build the confidence. And and we talked about fixing these mistakes. And, you know, we, we said they were going to be there. Um, just trying to speak to the casual fan if, if you're not. 100% invested in, you know, watching these guys at the college level, uh, you know, at the, at the lower levels, AHL, so to speak. Um, Ian Mitchell is going to struggle. Let's not write him off. Let, let's not start a uh, Ian Mitchell is terrible uh, campaign here uh, on Twitter.com. Uh, let, let's let the kid make some mistakes. I wasn't trying to overanalyze uh, his play tonight. I, again, just for some of the same reasons that you guys mentioned. There, there's going to be the mistakes. There's, he's going to get pulled out of position. He's going to turn the puck over. Um, it's just, it's going to happen. Uh, a lot of these guys, and it's not even just him, uh, haven't played uh, an actual NHL game in, in a little while. And uh, the first game back is always difficult. And, and your NHL debut is is always a you know butterfly-filled stomach. And I can't even imagine what it would be like there to be out on the ice uh, for the first time with some of these guys as, as a young kid coming up. So, uh, you know, the only thing that I'm kind of advocating for here is just patience with him. Uh, this is not going to be a year where he's going to be a star. I just don't see it happening. Uh, but he is going to develop into uh, a very core piece in, the, in, this, in this puzzle uh, if we are going to get back into contention. So let the, let the struggles happen. Let the mistakes happen now. Again, the season doesn't mean anything, so let's not try and beat him over the head and, and jump off a cliff here and, and demand that Ian Mitchell be uh, sent away. Uh, that's so all you, I got to say on that. So you mean my bold prediction was truly a bold one when I said he would lead the Blackhawks defenseman in scoring? I think so, Ron. I, I think it was it, very bold. I think it was that's very fair. bold. I think it was that's very fair. bold. I, I, w- I would say if you give it, Ron, a year or two, I think we're probably talking about potentially happening there, but it, just my opinion, I think that there's going to be a lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of struggling. You look at uh, you just w- what we're dealing with here. There's uh, <laughs> there's really so many holes and weaknesses in this team that you can bring a good player down very easily uh, just with who else you're out there with on the ice. Yeah, I would say you saw that a little bit in Kane tonight. I mean, yeah, yeah. he still had some good chances, but at the same time, Kane just doesn't look like Kane because he's out there trying to carry this entire team on his back. And I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, but Patrick Kane's back is going to be strained by the end of the season if he's got to carry this team the whole time. He might only play like 20 games this year at this pace. Crack him, I've, by the way. I've got a question for both of you. Do you want to see Patrick Kane double shifting this year at all? No. Yes. Yes, Johnny, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, I mean, yes, Andrew. Every- not not every game is going to be like this. What's Jeremy Collin going to do? Oh, yeah, I need to throw out um, Dominic Kubalik and Pia Suter and, and uh, Matthias Yanmark again uh, when we're tied 3-3 three to three with six minutes left in the third period. 
Or am I going to throw Patrick Kane out there for another shift? Guess what? Jeremy Collins, a hockey coach. We do hockey coaches do try to win the hockey game. So yeah, I do. And I do. I, I want to see it. Sorry. Uh, sure. just might be, uh, you know, kind of a meatball opinion there, but yes, I do. Tony. No, no. I actually, I actually agree with some of the stuff that you said there, Johnny, because there's also value in development and winning and teaching young guys how to win at the NHL level and how to step up and take that 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 second or that that double shift and go out there and be an effective player. Uh, I just yeah. I don't know if there's uh, a point in this year where we start to see Kane's minutes diminish a little bit just to give him a little bit of a break and keep those legs fresh because yeah. let's be oh. honest, guys, we. Uh- I'm yeah. I'm not saying every night, but on occasions. We and the the rare occasion that you're in it, that's you know when it probably will be more prominent. That's yeah. just my where I'm at. I, I guess spouting off from there because not every game is going to be five to one. Because right. let's, uh, I, that was another observation as we're moving down the list here. Let's put this into perspective. As, as bad as it was, and as you know, we know is sign of things to come. You're playing the fucking defending Stanley Cup champions in, in your rebuilding team, missing like four really main pieces here. Like, come on, like, let's be realistic. What were the expectations? And then, you know, what happened on the ice here? Um, not every team, even going to Florida this next weekend, it's not going to be that same way. You're not going to have that level of, you know, absolute dominance uh, on the other end. So uh, I just wanted to kind of bring that up too. And I think there'll be other occasions where it is uh, more competitive. So the, this, the way things shook out um, throughout the game tonight and felt, uncompetitive for most part that's not going to be the way it unfolds every single game this season yeah Narrator. i was gonna say the blackhawks get beat five to one every single game oh that'd be awful but no <laughs> but be five to one a lot but it's not going to be every yeah. single game. no it's I'll not gonna be every game. i was gonna say I, I think to to jump on to nani's point when i said no i meant like no i don't need to see that every game but i agree with johnny right if it's a three three game against detroit and you have a chance to get a win. And 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 like you said, Tony, keep, teach these young guys, you know, how to win, how to come back in a, in a late game scenario, how to be a true professional, how to be a superstar like Patrick Kane is. Then, yes, absolutely. I think in that situation you need to. But if you're down like, God forbid, six to one and with like 12 minutes left in the third period, I don't need to see Kane or getting double shifted. There's no reason for that. No, that I don't need to see him shorthanded either. Agreed. Yeah. Why is he playing seven and a half minutes of shorthand time? And at the same time, why is Dominic Kubelik only seeing 11 minutes of ice time if we're talking in, in totality here? I guess yeah. tonight was a weird game. You know, it is what it is. But God forbid, if this is the structure the rest of the season, we're going to be bitching and moaning in these microphones very often. I don't yeah, think I, it will be. I don't think I, it will I, be the structure. I Yeah, I hope I, it's I, not. You know, and it's still it's still adjustment. Come on. We're, ta- we're talking about game one here and we, we I think we're going down a rabbit hole here. But, you know, you talk about a guy like that, Dominic Kubelik, 1138. Um, it was at almost lowest. Yeah, the lowest among forwards, I guess, besides Matthew Highmore. But he's fourth line guy anyway. So that's kind of the realm that you expect that in there anyway. So um, what did I send that you guys that the uh, third line? so to say, was getting absolutely, uh, you know, just trashed by Tampa's mid six. And that's why those minutes uh, resulted in being, you know, lower for those types of guys uh, in that pious suitor uh, with, with the 1207 in there. Um, the TSCN mark, I believe he was down real low. I think he only had like two minutes in the first period, some shit like that. Um, so uh, obviously it's going to be a period of adjustment here, but um as we figure that out, uh, I think that there will be pick and choose your places 
where Patrick Kane can go and play uh, expansive minutes. So um, let's move on. I already kind of touched on the Adam Boquist thing. Uh, is he actually a defenseman? That was just kind of a rant more than anything that I had. Um, look for improvement there. I think you will see it, but at the same time, you know, he's still adjusting with a new partner and whatnot. Um, but if he can get the offensive game going, I think a lot of those transgressions can be forgiven. So um, th- that's what I will be looking for going forward. Other than that, um, the absence is very much felt tonight, especially up the middle. We miss you, Kirby Dock, Jonathan Taves. And yes, I put this in here, even Alexander Nylander. I know our fellow panelist, Patrick Comiskey, would want to rip my head off if he's listening to this, but you really do because that scoring touch from the wing puck gets slipped out there. Uh, he could be one that, that could drive in and, you know, uh, maneuver around a goalie and score better than a pew suitor in his first NHL game could. So, um, you know, absences were felt tonight, I guess is the bottom line there. Um, those aren't the only ones, Johnny. You can start adding Drake, Kajula, Brandon Saad, a bunch of other names to that to that list. Oh, Brandon Saad looks Brandon Saad looks really good tonight for Colorado too. I actually put his jersey on tonight just to you know, spite the fact that he looks better than most Hawks did tonight. So. You sleeping in that? You sleeping in that Saad jersey, Ron? I might. I might just for you, Tony. I I I honestly might. I had a feeling you would. It's pretty comfortable. I'm not going to lie. I have a t-shirt too, though. I could sleep in the t-shirt as well. So there's options. There's options. Okay. So the way things unfold in the night, maybe Malcolm Subban save uh, kind of diminishing this, but uh, a point I had in here was bet the over in every game. Um, I guess you got to check the line uh, before and be sure. But uh, as we're getting into this and maybe if the Blackhawks find an offensive flow, because Hey, if they score another goal, that, that thing hits. So, um, I think that's fairly safe. Uh, you guys are more uh, on the betting side here, so take it away uh, with your Blackhawks betting advice uh, as the season progresses. Yeah, I mean, I think Tony, you know, we've we've had some conversations in our group chats and Twitter chats today. Um, this kind of feels like that 20... Oh, what was that? That was the first Colleton season, so 2018-2019 season, where they couldn't play defense to save their lives, but you better believe if the over was anything under seven, they were probably going to hit it. Um, it might be that way. Maybe not right away this season. Obviously, I think tonight is a good indication of that, but I absolutely think if, you know, just as you said, Johnny, if this team can get into any kind of scoring groove, I mean, there were moments tonight that first line looked good. I mean, Debrinkit, Strom, and Kane had some chemistry tonight. It was there. So, I mean, hell, if we're being straight up, let's let's call it spade a spade here. Debrinkit led the team in terms of forwards, and I actually, and everybody in terms of ice time. Um, yeah, 23 minutes of ice time for Alex Debrinkit tonight. So, you know, that the, the first line had some had some chemistry though. I mean, they look good. You know, they know each other. I think that helps. But I think as guys get settled in, and you know, they can at least put up two, three. You you get a good night. You know, maybe four or five. Yeah, I think those overs are are going to look really good this season. I also think uh, the uh, the spread uh, for whoever whoever the Hawks are playing, you very rarely ever see it more than minus one and a half. Um, it happens once in a very blue moon, but um, if, if the, you know, the Hawks are playing a team like Tampa, maybe a team like Dallas, if they're at full strength, obviously their COVID situation kind of derails that. Um, but any of the really good central teams this season, um, if it's minus one and a half in favor of the opponent, uh, that's also probably a good bet as well. Here's my betting advice for the Blackhawks 21 season. Number one, don't be like Iowa Zach and take the Blackhawks money line in any game ever. Uh, it's going to tease you. 
Uh, you're going to have plus 350 odds. You're going to think that the Hawks can come out there and show somebody up. You're going to put 50 bucks on it or 100 bucks on it, and you're going to regret that immediately. Uh, don't take the money line. Uh, just stay away from it. The only exception to that rule is Detroit. Uh, I'm putting uh, money line bets on every game against Detroit this year. I think they've got the best shot against them. Uh, those games are normally toss-ups. Uh, if the Hawks are favoring there or, or even a minus somewhere in the 100, 200 range, you can make a quick buck off that. Uh, stay away from the money line. Second piece of advice. If the Hawks are up by one goal in the second period and have any sort of uh, odds in favor of the other team, if they're plus odds, I don't care who it is, plus 100, plus 200, I'm laying money on the other side of the, uh, on the, other side of the ice. The Blackhawks goaltending situation is fucking terrible. We know it. We've talked about it numerous times. Other teams are going to be able to capitalize on that and score at will in late in the game. If you can get uh, a, a, a team that is a favorite coming in against the Blackhawks, you will make some money, I believe, this season, live betting uh, on the other team. I think that's another one. Uh, the other bet that I'm laying down almost every day is Patrick Kane, anytime goal scorer. Uh, I think you'll be able to rack up some of those if you just lay them in there. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys think for a Patrick Kane goal total this year is reasonable? Yeah, I mean, I think 30 would be probably high end. I think if we're going very conservative here, I'd say something between 24 and 28, given that it's a 56 game season, which in a normal season, Johnny would probably be, you know, somewhere between 33 and about 37 goals. It's kind of what I would expect out of a guy like Patrick Kane. So if you're going to get plus odds on Patrick Kane to score a goal every single night, you could probably make some money, lay five bucks on uh, Patty Kane to score a goal every night. And I think you might wind up positive. That's just uh, my thoughts, Ron. I like it. Well said. All right. Good Blackhawks betting advice uh, from you, gentlemen. All right. uh, Let's move on. What's on tap next? Uh, We've got Blackhawks and Lightning, uh, as we mentioned, that you're playing these kind of two-game series, so to say. Um, Next installment will be Friday, January 15th, 6 p.m. Central Time uh, on NBC Sports Chicago. So, gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I am so fucking excited to hear Pat Foley back on the call for one of these games. Absolutely. I think that I I missed that tonight. I don't know about you guys. I miss Pat Foley's voice. Hundred percent. It, it wasn't the same tonight. I think just because they were national and you know <clears throat> it, it was more hyped in Tampa's favor anyway because of the banner raising. It was just it lacked the traditional Blackhawks you know game setup. You know even on the road, right? When you get Pat and. Even when it's one of those crazy games when, you know, Steve Conroy takes the uh, the analyst role, you know, it's just it's nice hearing their voices over, you know, anyone really on the national broadcast, just because, again, it, it resonates with Hawks fans um, as being, you know, your local guy and your local grouping. So, um, yeah, give me give me Pat. Give me Eddie. Give me give it all to me. I need every single bit of it until we can get home and I, you know, we can hear the anthem. I hope they do you think they'll let Jim Cornelison sing? Is that going to be a thing uh, at the home games, at least just to make it so, feel semi-normal? I would During the so. scrimmage, they I believe they had a recording. So that that was a setup for there. But I wouldn't be shocked if they had it. And even if it was remote and if he was just on like some sort of, you know, um, display that was a digital um, kind of feed coming in to the United yeah. Center. Um, that that may be an option. I don't know if you will actually be there. But if he is there, I mean, 
what what's the risk? Little. The guys are all you're socially distanced from the blue line to the true red right. Line, so well, like, I was gonna say at, at worst, at worst, like let them go sit up in the two hundred or three hundred level and yeah. sing it up there if you have to. Just Pro- give me Jim Cornelson the, in the building singing it live, so I can get you know him. what you know what they need, Ron. Now that you bring that up, they need him close to that flag where yes. it happens. You know where the point comes from and where the spotlight goes to. So when we do have the home opener, he just turns instead of, you know, from the ice and he points up, he's standing right there on a platform or whatever. And he turns and it's right there. Like the flag is like at his fingertips. I think that's I like so that. Cool. Yeah. Where they're looking up at him and the flag at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm here for that. Yeah. Let him say the 300 level, build him a little platform. We'll call it Jim Cornelison Plaza for the yeah. entire season. Cause let's be frank. Lori Lightfoot's not going to allow any fans in the stands probably this season for the Blackhawks. Yeah. So you know, just he's got his little Cornelson Plaza sitting up there in the 300 level right underneath the American flag. And like you said, he's, you know, and our flag was and he just turned still there. And it yeah, just hits him in it. the head. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then and then that's the one moment because it's not during gameplay that the United Center is able to blast fan noise at like 800 bajillion decibels like it actually is. <laughs> and it feels just right. Well, what they what they should do is take a page out of the MLB's book and and use the NHL app or the Blackhawks app or some sort of app that allows you to cheer the anthem from home that then pumps volume into the stadium. I think that that would be pretty fucking cool and tough. I agree. That that would be great. Um, I booed the Astros um, big time uh, on that app this year, so I would cheer <laughs> the anthem just as emphatically uh, as I booed the Astros from the MLB's thing. So uh, good ideas there. But uh, getting getting back to this matchup here, um, like I'd mentioned, the uh, 6 p.m. Central Time start. The this opening night was at 7 p.m. Central Time, but they are out east there, so seven out there, six back home uh, in the Chicago Land market here. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago, I guess I'd Pat Foley back. That's going to be excellent. So uh, we can look forward to hearing uh, a little more uh, Blackhawks-related analysis from him. Uh, lineup notes, uh, Luke Shen and Tyler Johnson will return for the Bolts uh, after their cap crunch moves. Uh, those guys are basically placed on, you know, whatever the—I don't even know exactly how they did those salary cap gymnastics. But whatever it was, those guys need to be off so they can be cap compliant on day one. So— um, those guys will return. Uh, that will only make it a tougher test for the Blackhawks. Gentlemen, I want to see Colin Dahlia in the net. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to write a guy off after the uh, first game of the season, but at the same time, when Malcolm Subban came over, just looking at his track record from uh, his days in Boston, from his days in Vegas, we knew that he wasn't an NHL goaltender. Uh, we tabbed him as what he was, and I believe I said it earlier in the show, uh, probably a starter in the AHL, uh, back up on a very bad team. Um, so let's get Colin Daly into that starter role and let Malcolm Subban be the backup on a very bad team here. Um, do you think we'll see Dahlia, or, or will they go back to Subban? God, I hope they go to Delia. I feel especially this year, you know, with not having a true number one in the sense of like, yeah, this guy definitely won the job, you know, and it's kind of goalie by committee. I wouldn't even be mad if they decided to rotate and just do Subban, Delia, Lankinen for, you know, however many games you decide to do it. Maybe you do it for, for the first nine games. Each guy gets three games and then. You know, whoever the two are that played the best, maybe those are the guys that are on the active roster. The other guy gets to ride the taxi squad, assuming, you know, he doesn't probably see action unless there's COVID or injury issues. So, 
that's where I'm at, but I absolutely give the net to, to number 60, Mr. Colin Delia, on, uh, on Friday night because, again, like you said, I mean, hate to break on the guy for, you know, night one, but from what I saw from Malcolm Subban night, I'm not impressed enough to give him another start again right away at the first two games of the season in net, especially against his Bolts team. I feel like another face in net um, might be the best case scenario, especially, again, once you're playing the same team because of this crazy COVID schedule where you're more or less playing a two-game series every time you see a team. This is terrible for me to say, but uh, I want to see Subban back in the net, and I want to see another dumpster fire. Um, I want to see him get almost ridden out of town at this point in time because I feel like there's two guys that really need to be evaluated by this by this club, and that's Calendelia and Kevin Lykanen. And there's no way that those guys are going to get most of the starts unless you get Subban out of the mix. So the more he sucks, uh, the closer we're going to get to actually evaluating and doing things that we need to do as an organization uh, to move forward here. Because if you're not going to ride with Calendalia or Lankinen, you need to start to prioritize goaltending and goalie development. The more that Subban plays, the more he sucks, the quicker we're going to get there. So that's just my take. Yes, I would rather see Calendalia play every single night um over Malcolm Subban that that's the the short answer but uh we need we need to close the book on Malcolm Subban at some point Johnny I love it I'm totally on board with that I closed the book on Malcolm Subban the second he was traded here I thought that was just a throw in and they weren't even going to sign him I was irate when they re-signed him this year um in the offseason so I'm totally on board with your train of thought there unfortunately I think um, you know, for the sake of your argument and the plan there, Tony, it will go to Dahlia on night two. So um, hopefully on Sunday, then uh, the Florida Panthers come out with an absolute vengeance and put like 10 up on Colin, uh, excuse me, on Malcolm Subban. So um, Does, it, 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 it to wish bad upon it. But if you're accelerating the development process, get the guys in that are actually legitimate. Um, I'm totally with you, Tone. Yeah, my first thought was like, does anybody make you miss Anton Forsberg more than Malcolm Subban? Seriously, <laughs> great point. Yes. Honestly. Oh my God. Yes. I, I I just had PTSD flat level flashbacks at you saying that because honest to God, there were nights that Forsberg looked eons and eons better than Malcolm Subban. It's it's about. terrible that that's even a fucking thought in my mind. That that really is. It's a dumpster it, fire. It is bad. Okay. All right, guys, let's get some stick-to-click predictions tonight. Obviously, none of us hit um, on game one, but uh, let's go for a little bit better uh, on game two. Who we got? Oh, this is tough. Um, I mean, I felt pretty good. You know, I picked Andrew Shaw uh, for game one. He did have an assist tonight, so I'm pretty happy about that. Call it whatever kind of assist you want. The Blackhawks didn't legitimately score. We know, we know, we know. But um, that being said, just I think based on tonight's play, um, uh, Johnny, Johnny's going to love this one. I'm actually going to go with Ryan Carpenter. Again, that fourth line was probably the best line all night. Um, they they were the only ones that actually looked like them their normal selves uh, in this game. By any means, everybody else looked very overwhelmed, even though the first line of, you know, Kat, Strom, and, and Kane had, some, you know, some moments. I feel like Patrick Kane would be a guy I would like to take. I mean, he did have that kind of pseudo semi-breakaway at one point, but um there was just something about ryan carpenter tonight that you know number 22 looks like a really good option to maybe do some damage um on friday night again against the same team that these guys actually had a little bit of noticeable success against on this night so i'm gonna go number 22 mr love it ron i am going to 
the guy that had the breakaway, I'm going Suter. Uh, I think he buries his next chance. Uh, if there's one guy that wants to get on the board, it's going to be him. Uh, I think that uh, Friday night's his night. Uh, he saw he saw some opportunities here. He knows what he's got to do to get it done next time. Uh, I'm going Suter. Johnny. All right. Um, I'm already going off the wall on uh, game two here, but um, I am going to go with Nikita Zadorov, and that is because I think the Blackhawks will only score like two goals, and one of those will just be Nikita Zadorov collecting a loose puck, and it's an absolute bomb from the point um, because he has shown uh, in his past with Colorado that he can bring those. Um, and unfortunately, where we're at right now with the chemistry, I don't think anything's really flowing offensively, and I think it'll still take a little bit of time to get there. Um, those are the kind of goals uh, that are going to be scored for the Blackhawks um, up, up until that chemistry is established. So uh, Nikita Zadorov uh, with a big clap bomb. Uh, that is my stick to click. Uh, you guys got any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? I'm still absolutely appalled the fact that Dominic Kubik only got 11 minutes and 48 seconds of ice time tonight. That is absolutely freaking mind-blowing to me. I don't know what to think of it, but I pray to God that it's not a common theme the rest of the season because if it is, I'm going to be also yelling uh, at Jeremy Carlson quite a bit along with Tony. That being said, um, just pray for a better effort. The second game. I mean, honestly, this this one was rough to watch, as, as we've noted multiple times. Just hopefully these guys get it, you know, especially these young guys that, you know, maybe are getting adjusted to it. You know, P.S. Suter's getting adjusted to, the, you know, the NHL game. Andrew Shaw's getting readjusted. Um, you know, obviously the young D-men. You know, maybe all of a sudden they just come back next, you know, next game and they're like, okay, we got this thing. Maybe they don't win but at least it's a little more competitive. I'd like to see competitive hockey, even if they're losing games. So that's what I'm looking for on Friday, and that is my you know kind of final take before we get out of here. Final takes, buckle up. We're going to see a lot more of this. As Johnny said, it's not going to be every night, but uh, buckle in. Uh, if, if you're a casual fan, uh, this is this is Blackhawks hockey now. Uh, there's going to be uh, a few more blowouts than you're used to. There's going to be some struggles offensively especially early on as this team gets its footing. Uh, but uh, it's it's still hockey. It's still the greatest sport on earth to watch uh, and just and take in. So you're going to you're going to enjoy it, but it's going to be different uh, than, than what you're used to. This uh, is, is going to be interesting uh, and, and bet the, bet the over. That's all I got to say. All right. That does it for our opening night recap here at Four Feathers Podcast. Uh, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. Guys, might feel lowly, futile in the dumps right now, but let's center out one triumphant time. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.